The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Good morning, Colorado. Here we go. Y'all ready for this? The Bell and Pollock Injury Show. This is the Champions of the People Injury Show. Fasten your seatbelt. We're ready to go. We talk about injury subjects, and we do a different injury subject each week. And we do it so we can educate you and give you the information you need to have a level playing field with the at-fault insurance company who's going to try to beat your injury claim and mitigate and defeat you and your injury claim through a variety of different strategies and attacks. They have their own legal game plan. You can have your own legal game plan. As a matter of fact, uh, Brad and I wrote a book called Legal Game Plan. We have over 30 years of experience each helping injured victims put their lives back together again. And we packed our experience into this book. You can have the book free. Just go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. It's there. You can download an e-copy free along with our other five books. We have six total books. They're all free. If you want a hard copy, no problem. Just call our law firm at 303 795 5900 will send you an e-copy for free. Okay, today we're talking about wrongful death. Wrongful death is a different animal in the law. We are injury attorneys, so we do all kinds of cases. We've done a number, uh, lots and lots of wrongful death cases, I'm sad to say. They usually were very uh, tragic circumstances. A lot of them uh, come out of trucking uh, injuries, trucking crashes, big big rigs, 18-wheelers. We've done a show on that. But today we're talking about wrongful death. You can have wrongful death from a variety of circumstances. For example, medical malpractice can cause the death. Skiing injuries can cause the death. Avalanches cause the death. Uh, car crashes. And that's going to be our example today. You can have a bicycle car crash, a truck car crash, motorcycle crashes. So you have a death in the family. You have a death caused by somebody else. It's a wrongful death. So what do you do? You need to know how to approach it on a different basis. And and so, you know, Brad, the damages are different for wrongful death. Um, and so you also have a survival action and a wrongful death. But right now we're talking about a wrongful death action. So let's just cover basically the basics of how these damages are different. Right. When we start talking about damages in a wrongful death case, we don't worry, obviously, about future medical treatment. Pain and suffering isn't usually uh, included. Loss of quality life is not included. Uh, you, um, you're looking more at a cap of $436,070. That's a cap that's placed on the amount that you can recover. Uh, you can get some economic losses, but the economic losses are going to be severely limited in a wrongful death case because you're not talking about a survival action. So uh, a great many of the damages die with the person who is deceased and they can no longer recover those. You can recover economic losses on behalf of uh, certain minors or certain people who might have been dependent on the person who died. And then, like I said, you have the uh, the um, the non-economics being capped. You know, it, you, but also you can have damages for the breadwinner. If you have a breadwinner in the family, 
uh, an earner. It can be either the mother or father. Uh, it can be both. If you lost those earnings due to due to the untimely death of somebody caused by the, somebody else's negligence, our example today is a car crash. But as I said, it can cover. It can be a medical malpractice uh, causing death. It can be a ski incident. Uh, it can be a premises liability causing death. Uh, the point is, you you can recover economic losses. And we're, we're going to get into what's called the net pecuniary loss rule. Uh, that's going to come up later in the show. But you need to know, you need to know and you want to know what the rules are and the rules of the road with regard to wrongful death. Um, so, uh, Brad just said that there was a cap, $436,070. Let's talk about the cap. Brad, that is adjusted every year uh, by the Secretary of State. There's an index that they adjusted because it started off in the statute as $250,000. And let's talk just a little bit and explain what the adjustment means and how it works. Sure. Uh, the Secretary of State is charged with uh, making certain adjustments, certain caps or limitations of recovery of damages. Uh, the wrongful death statute is one of them for which you can uh, you have a limitation. You have some type of, of uh, adjustment that, that applies. Uh, the wrongful death statute uh, indicates that you're entitled to recover damages pursuant to for, for non-economic losses. You're entitled to recover damages, and that's limited at $436,070 as of the last time the Secretary of State published the update, and that update was in January 2015. We can expect another one coming out shortly. Um, it's in accordance with CRS 12-47-801, which, which only says is that when you have limitations on damages, you have the right to have them moved up or down according to inflation and according to uh, the economic times. Uh, there's also a salation uh, right, and that's if you don't want to be having to get on the stand and talk about the loss of your um, spouse or the loss of your father or the loss of your loved one and for whom you're seeking recovery. You can simply say, I don't want to get in and talk about all that. I want my, my money in, in what's called a salation, which is presumed to be uh, the amount of losses that you've sustained as a result of non-economic losses, and that's at eighty-seven thousand two hundred ten. So, anytime you walk into a lawyer and you've had a loved one who's a loved one who's been killed, and you want to start talking about the damages, the first thing you have to decide is: do you or do you not want to have uh, yourself placed in this position where you may be questioned about the relationship you had with that loved one? Right, and that's an important part. So loss of salatium, the $87,000 is completely separate and apart. It's a separate, if you take the loss of salatium, your claim is over with, but we wanted to mention it to you on the show because it's part of the statutory law in Colorado. Now, the history of wrongful death is under the common law. You know, we inherited the common law from England. We've said that many times. But under the common law, there was no action for wrongful death. So you, if you killed somebody, there was no claim. And you, you got to be saying that you got to be kidding me. We read about them all the time. Well, the Colorado legislature, as did most states, passed a statute allowing recovery for wrongful death. And then they capped off the non-economic damages. So the, in the non-economic damages being capped, that's like pain and suffering. That's like grief, anxiety, missing your loved one, uh, com, uh, com, companionship, uh, and compassion they gave you, and the uh, partnership they gave you in life, uh, whether it be your children or a loved one or a spouse, uh, it doesn't really matter. That's capped. And it goes up every year, but right now it's $436,000. And you can say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I read about these verdicts all the time, wrongful death cases. Well, if you got a bra if you got a breadwinner that's making money, doesn't matter how much, how little, how, in the medium, low, or high, then you can project the earnings over the right, their lifetime, 
and reduce it to present value, and you can have the net pecuniary loss ruled. And that would be in addition to the uh, cap on non-economic losses. Sure. You're entitled to uh, compensation for the loss of the financial benefits that um, the the spouse or the children would have re- should reasonably have expected to receive from the decedent had the decedent lived. And uh, the, the measure of of that category is what's known as the pecuniary loss or the net pecuniary loss rule, which is something we'll be talking about later. But so you have the, these different elements of damages. And one of the elements of damages is economic, which once again, that's the compensation uh, or to be compensated for the benefits that you reasonably would have expected to receive from the decedent had the decedent lived. And then you have the the non-economic damages, which are in two categories. It's either proving how much the losses are, which would be capped at the $436,000 mark, or simply saying, this was my husband, or this was my wife, or this was my father, and then saying, I want the salation amount of $87,000. Right. It's, it's, they're not, they're not, they don't add them together. It's one or the other, and you have to understand that. You, you talked about that with your attorney. You can give us a call anytime at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. We do injury cases all over the state of Colorado, and we have for over 30 years. We have offices in Greenwood Village, Denver, and Steamboat Springs, and our website, championsofthepeople.com championsofthepeople.com. We're talking about wrongful death actions today. Let's just talk a minute about the fact that even though it's a wrongful death, it might be a car crash, you still have to prove liability. You still have to prove the mechanism of injury or mechanism to cause the death. Uh, And I don't think uh, a lot of people understand how insurance companies attack these because they might say the at-fault driver isn't responsible. They had a heart heart attack. They had a seizure. They had a medical condition, a blood clot, and those go to liability. So you have to, you still have to prove liability uh, in these cases, and they fight them. And they, if they had a bona fide heart attack with no notice and no problem, uh, they go after that defense quite quite hard. Oh, absolutely, they're going to go after that defense quite hard because uh, the first thing you have to do is prove that you're entitled to the money. And um, the the way you're entitled to the money is you have to remember the first part of the, the act. It's called the wrongful death act. And so you have to prove the wrongful part of it. And if you don't prove the wrongful part of it, then you're not going to get any money. Uh, so anytime you're dealing with wrongful death case, you, you have to have a good look into what caused the death and was this the result of the negligence of another. You know, I tell you what, uh, you need to look into the details because look at the, look at it this way. If you look at the uh, injuries or the cause of the person that caused the crash, the at-fault, they can say you had a heart attack, she had a heart attack. Was it predictable or preventable? That's a question of fact you get into the proof. But also, the decedent, the person who was killed that you're trying to recover for, right? Uh, sometimes they say the crash didn't cause the death, the crash didn't cause the death. He, the injured victim, had a heart attack. The decedent had a heart attack. The person that was killed had a heart attack, and the heart attack killed the person, not the crash. And so you still have to prove liability. Bell and Pollock, champions of the people. You can call us at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. Next up, who can recover in wrongful death? We'll be right Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell & Pollock. We are injury attorneys, and this is your Legal Minute. You're in a car crash. 
You happen to be living with some relatives at the time. Blood relatives. Have you ever heard of the doctrine of resident relative? It's important because sometimes your relatives' insurance policies can apply to your crash even though you haven't been living there permanently. This law is very complicated, but I, don't, I want you to be educated on it. Understand that finding insurance is critical. Sometimes you find insurance through what's called resident relatives, the relatives with whom you're living. You can make a claim, a UM claim, a UIM claim, but it has to be done properly. Call us at Bell and Pollock or go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. We'll help you. Get more information or help from Bell and Pollock at championsofthepeople.com. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back. Fasten your seatbelt. The Bell and Pollock Injury Show, the Champions of the People Injury Show, the only show of its kind. You can call us anytime at 303-795-5900 or go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. We'll be glad to help you. If you come to see us, you get a free initial consultation. And I mean it's not just a gloss over. We get down to it with you. You may have to spend 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Uh, just this week, I spent over two hours hours with somebody on the first to free initial consultation and gave her the legal game plan and so she knows what to do and you can know what to do if you come see us if you want a copy of our book go to our website championsofthepeople.com any of our six books are there our most recent book is the definitive guideline on colorado car insurance and we're going to have a show coming up on on colorado car insurance but our book is there and it's free you can have it today's subject wrongful death First word in that sentence, wrongful. Wrongful death caused by the fault or negligence of some other person. Our example today is car crash, but you could have a ski injury. You could have death by medical malpractice. You could have death by premises liability. Today, we're talking about a car crash and causing death. You still have to prove uh, uh, liability. You still have to prove causation. In our state, in Colorado, it's the but-for case test, excuse me, on causation. And so let's talk about that a second. Well, the the but-for test for causation is pretty much uh, what it says. You have to determine but-for the specific act or the act that you're complaining of that occurred, would the person not have died? And you have to talk about whether or not there's a relationship, a causal relationship. Um, Every time we we talk about these topics and we, we discuss them, we have to remember that at common law, before the statute was entered, uh, you could not recover for a wrongful death, period. You couldn't do it. So this is all creature statute. And now, uh, so it begins with the statute, and then you have to go to case law to determine how you're going to determine this liability. And so the but four test is a test that's been adopted in Colorado. Why is that difficult, or why is that uh, of concern or something you have to think about? Well, one of the cases that, um, that, w- that was addressed was a person who had been having a heart attack for a prolonged period of time. Uh, the heart attack started. He was in a, a nursing home, and why he was in the, the heart attack started was in a, what we call a full blown heart attack. Um, although it was it was reported that he was acting differently and suffering and having problems to the medical staff, the medical staff didn't pay attention, and eventually later the person died. And the question you have is is uh, but for the failure to provide medical care, would this person have died anyway? 
Right, that's the causation test. So you still have to prove liability. Somebody did something wrong, <clears throat> and you still have to prove causation that caused the death. Because many times they're going to say, especially in nursing home cases, well, he or she died of some other cause. They were in the nursing home because of XYZ medical condition, and that caused their death, not the car crash, not the medical malpractice, not the nursing home malpractice and omissions, not that, but something else. So it's a fight. You still have to know that. In the car crash example, Brad, uh, comparative negligence, we've talked about that before. Comparative negligence exists in Colorado. You compare the negligence of driver one and driver two, who was more at fault. And even though that's a death case, comparative negligence still applies. Absolutely. Uh, once again, uh, the, you got to remember that, that in that kind of a situation, what they're doing is they're looking at the person who died, uh, the deceased, and they're determining whether the deceased contributed to his or her own death by virtue of having done something negligent or inappropriate that that caused the event which led to the death. So it can be they caused the, um, the, the, they were driving negligently also, or they weren't paying attention. They were doing something that was inappropriate in their driving that helped cause the crash that resulted in the death. And so you're going to have your amounts reduced by the amount of, of comparative negligence till you get to the point of 50% at which point all of it gets reduced and it all it all is lost it all goes to zero so even though there's a death in the in the in the car crash the decedent is still charged with negligence if he or she committed negligence that's a factual question that has to be proved but the the law of comparative negligence the statute on comparative negligence in Colorado does apply to death cases uh, death by by car crash it applies to other type of cases as well an interesting side note on this statute and let's say we have a multi-car collision right and let's say three people were at fault all together snow and ice they weren't driving carefully so driver one was at fault driver two was at fault driver three was at fault all of them contributed to the death of driver four and so and, th- and then they say driver four was negligent too so you're going to add up the negligent percentages of all the at fault drivers maybe it's 10 percent uh 40 percent and 20 percent that would be 70 percent and maybe the uh the decedent was 30 percent of negligent as long as it equals 50 percent or more on all of the combined uh percentages of the at fault drivers you can still recover and it can become quite uh quite cumbersome and quite complicated um because uh, who can recover in a wrongful death action? Because it's a different rule if a, if a minor child dies. It's a different rule if the spouse dies. If it's it's a different rule, maybe the uncle dies. Uh, generally, who has the right to bring a wrongful death action? Well, we always are going to start with the most obvious, and that is being the spouse. And um, it, you know the the law basically, and I say basically because there is one little tweak to it. But the law says that the right to proceed in a wrongful death case and the right to recover or ownership of the uh, of the recovery is pursuant to intestate secession, and that means now we all of a sudden have it blended in to um, wills and into our our probate law. Now, the interesting part about the wrongful death statute is it actually says the money is to be distributed in the same way as intestate session is for real property. Uh, The real property part of intestate secession has uh, gone away. It no longer exists. Instead, real property uh, is not a unique classification. It fits within the same classification of how uh, assets should be to be distributed unless, of course, the real property has different uh, names on it as far as how it's owned, whether it's owned in joint tenancy or a tenants in common or how it's owned. So you have to do a lot of deductions when determining how the wrongful death proceeds are going to be divided and who has the right to recover them. 
basically, when we start with the case, though, the spouse for the first year after the wrongful death, and everybody sit there and listen, you have a two-year statute of limitations. It's not three like normally a car crash. So if a crash has occurred, if somebody's been killed in a car accident, and they normally think they have three years to bring their cause of action, because that's what it normally is, if it's for a death, it's been shortened to two years. It, so the first thing you have to understand is you're down to two years. The spouse has the exclusive right to bring the action within the first year. And if the spouse doesn't want to bring the action, then you need to get a waiver from the spouse or you need to get permission. Uh, and even though we talk about who gets to bring it, and we'll talk later, that's different from, than who gets to own it. That's but, an amazing, it's an amazing concept in Colorado because the spouse has not only the right in the first year after the death to bring the cause of action, the spouse has the exclusive right. Nobody else can do it. Let's use an example. You've got a husband and wife and three children, and the children are teenagers, and the husband is killed in a car crash. So if the, teen, if the teenagers, maybe they don't get along with mom, maybe they don't get along with each other. If they want to bring an action or they want to participate in the action, uh, these only the spouse in the first year can bring the cause of action. The children could not file an action in district court or make a claim for wrongful death uh, monies in the first year. They can petition to get into the case. If the, if the surviving spouse, the mom in our example, agrees and consents, they can get in the case. But only the spouse can bring the cause of action in the first year, and it becomes quite complicated with the children. After the first year, what happens? Well, well, let's let's go back to the first year, though, just for a minute. The reason it's especially especially difficult and can be a very very trying time and complicated time is in this day and age when we deal with first of all partnerships, uh, when we deal with common law marriages. So there's an argument over whether or not they're even the spouse or they should be con- decided to be a spouse. You could find yourself in litigation, uh, just litigating whether or not this is really the spouse as to why the parent, the, the children might think differently about whether or not the claim should be brought in the first year, who should be bringing it, is because you've got, sometimes you have the deceased and the deceased is married to somebody who is not the parent of the deceased's children. So you, you now have the children who are in one category. They maybe have a, a, a parent that is, is, uh, has been divorced from the deceased, now you've got the deceased remarried with the new spouse. And now if you have intestate secession, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to go to the new spouse. The children do have a, a, a right to some of the money. But at the same time, you've got this exclusive right to bring the lawsuit in the name of the spouse in the first year. So, you know, the petition, a lot of times you do need to, if you're representing the children of the deceased uh, who who are not children of the of the spouse? There's a lot of times you do need to petition or you need to get involved to address the losses that are going to be encountered and to see who's going to pay for those. Another losses. twist on this whole thing: Let's say you have mom and dad, and then uh, mom got divorced, but all all three children are the um, are the natural uh, ch- children of dad. He he's gone, but now mom remarries, got a stepdad in the picture, and one of the children. Uh, is killed in a car crash, very sad. Uh, it happens uh, quite frequently. So one of the children is killed in the car crash, so no dad who is divorced wants to participate. Uh, mom is going to sue and make a claim for the the wrongful death of, the, of her ch- child, and that creates the complication. But just because we said that the spouse gets the right to bring the action, the exclusive right to bring the action in the first year, the spouse cannot keep all the money. Just because the spouse recovers the money, 
Maybe a million dollars is paid to the spouse. They don't get to just keep it just because they had the exclusive right to bring the action to begin with. You can call us anytime at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, our law firm is Bell and Pollock. We are injury attorneys. Today we're talking about wrongful death. We have helped injured victims in this state recover and put their lives back together again for over 30 years each. We've written six books. You can find them on our website, championsofthepeople.com. Next up, wrongful death. You can prove liability. You can successfully pursue the case. What is it you get to collect? What is the measure of damages? How do you do this? Bell and Pollock, Champions of the People. We'll be right back. Honey, the kids are going nuts. Everybody's stir-crazy. And my patience is running thin. It's almost lunchtime. Why don't we go to Caitlin's? Their food is amazing. And they have those awesome baskets filled with fun to keep the kids pacified and entertained. That sounds perfect. What is it you like to get there again? Ooh, for starters, I love their green chili and chicken nachos. Then, I usually get most queso with the ground chuck patty, cheddar, and jack cheese. Diced onions, tomatoes, and green chilies between two warm flour tortillas. Served at the side of green or red chili. Yum! What about you? Well, I'm famished, so I think I'll get one of their 13 sandwiches. Hmm, maybe I'll get one of each. And I, and I love the way you can get their sandwiches made into wraps instead. Maybe one of their bacon green chili cheeseburgers or their salads. Or, Honey, rain it in. Kids, we're going to Caitlin's. Caitlin's Restaurant at the corner of Mississippi and South Birch Street, just east of Colorado Boulevard in Glendale. Open Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday, 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Caitlin's Restaurant. You'll love it every bite of the way. The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back. Fasten your seatbelt. The Bell and Pollock Injury Show, the Champions of the People Injury Show. You know, our website called championsofthepeople.com, championsofthepeople.com. It's an information-loaded website. All of our podcasts are there. If you want to listen to the show, again, you can listen to it on our website, championsofthepeople.com. If you want a, a part of the show or you want the whole show sent to you, all you have to do is call our law firm at 303-795-5900. And if you've been injured or a loved one has been uh, sub- subjected to a, a, an untimely tragic death you can call us and get a free initial consultation anytime 303-795-5900 or you can set up an appointment easily through our website championsofthepeople.com you've got a you've got a wrongful death you've got a car crash maybe you have a drunk driver and we're, we're going to get to that in this show drunk drivers and dram shop acts and special circumstances but you've got a wrongful death you can prove liability you can prove causation of the death and you say well of course they were killed in this in this accident you you'll be surprised how many times insurance companies say no they weren't they were in a horrible accident but they had a heart attack or no they were about they were about to die of uh, parkinson's disease or some other disease especially in medical malpractice cases or though that was an accepted risk and but today we're talking about car crash cases uh so, we said under the common law that we inherited from England, there was no cause of action for, for a wrongful death. And you get to recover non-economic damages. We mentioned it a little bit at, at the top of the show, uh, but we're going to break it down further here. 
Sure. As we break it down, the thing to remember that we were just on our last segment talking about is we said that the exclusive right for the first year belongs to the spouse to bring the action unless the spouse permits it or you petition the court to bring the action within the first year if you're not the surviving spouse. And who would those people be? Those would be uh, maybe the children of the deceased or maybe the parents of the deceased. Uh, and that a lot of times has to be de- determined as you're going through uh, when the action is going to be brought. It's important that you not wait that year. If you're a child of a deceased or if you're related to deceased and they and it's very important that you wait that that you not wait that year, that you get in touch with the attorney and you let the attorney start working on the case. Let the attorney start monitoring the case. Let the attorney uh, uh, take aggressive and forward steps to identify your interest in the case to make sure that you're going to have your rights uh, validated and that you're going to get what you're entitled to. It's it's also important to recognize that uh, there are many, many, many lawyers out there, many, who do not understand and are not aware of the wrongful death statutes. And this can include many times probate and estate lawyers. And why is that important? Is because your probate and estate lawyers may take actions that uh, will uh, divert the funds from the proper persons, from those who own it, to people who don't own the money or shouldn't own the money. And they take those actions sometimes in negligence. And as a negligent action, what they do is they create a situation where now, years later, you might be chasing the money from people who received it when they shouldn't have. And, you know, there's one thing I I think I've learned very quickly doing this business and having been in it for the many years I have been in it now, is that when people get money, they tend to spend it. And then when they tend to spend it, when you start wanting to get it back or when you start wanting to have a redistribution of that money, so they have to start distributing it in a way they should have to begin with, they don't have it anymore. It's not available to them. And so that puts them in a real bind in, in being able to recompensate people who should have gotten the money. And that can all happen simply because you have an attorney who doesn't know what they're doing in wrongful death cases. These are completely different animals than a normal personal injury case. Right. And we've done many cases like that, and we understand this this wrongful death statute. You can call us anytime at 303-795-5900-795-5900 for a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan. These are the rules of the roads when you have a wrongful death, period. You have to follow them. You have to know them. If you don't, you're, you're going to lose. You can't just guess. You can't hope. You have to have a legal game plan, a strategy. That's why we wrote the book. It's simple. And we've seen it, Brad, Brad and I have seen it. We've seen it this year in a case where the money is distributed um, to one person because there was a wrongful death car crash, head-on collision, and that person spends the money. The statute, 13-21-201, says that money is owned by such persons that are heirs at law. So even though the spouse has the exclusive right to bring the action in the first year, that money is owned by people other than just that spouse if there are other heirs. And that leads to litigation and problems. So uh, one, of the, one, of, you know, one of the most famous cases in Colorado was the, was the Lanahan case. And it was um, Lanahan versus Kai Sai fraternity, 2008 case, where there was a bunch of hazing in, in a fraternity, and the, the person died. Uh, and so the lawsuit was brought against multiple people. So the question was, in that case, very interesting question, 
well, there's a there's a cap. We just went over the cap on non-economic damages, and the plaintiff in that case said that seven or eight or nine people were responsible for this young person's death, so it should be a cap of 460 per person. 460 times person one, two, three, four, five, and eight, up, up to eight. The court in the Lanahan case in 2008 said no. It's, it's not, and I think the, the, the cap is 436.70, I'm sorry. But, so this, the court said, no, it's, it, you have to put all the defendants together. You only get one cap. So you need to understand that. You need to understand the heirs own the, um, the property and the recovery, and it can become quite complicated. Well, what you also have to understand is, once again, let's say, let's say there is no spouse and it's just adults or, or children, adult children, or even if it's minor children, it's just children left uh, behind. Uh, then you're you're still facing the situation where it doesn't matter how many plaintiffs there are, it doesn't matter how many children are left, it doesn't matter how many how many uh, uh, heirs there are left. It's one cap. It's one amount of four hundred thirty six thousand seventy dollars. So if it's multiple defendants, they're going to share in paying the four hundred thirty six. If it's multiple heirs left, they're going to share in getting the four hundred thirty six. And it even if it's only one of the children who brings the lawsuit. If the child gets the money, the child is getting and gets the full amount of losses, whether it's 436 or a jury comes back and says it's 256 or a jury comes back and says it's 300, that child gets the money, but the money is owned by all of the heirs. So in a way you've established, if you're acting as the attorney, you could be very well establishing You've got to be careful about this. You could be very well establishing where your person is getting the money in a form of a constructive trust or for some other or in some other form where some of that money, although they've gone through the litigation, isn't theirs. And it's it's very clear that what you're only entitled to one cause of action. So the insurance company can't look and say, well, there's four of you. So I'm only going to consider this case to be one fourth. Once the cause of action starts, you're only entitled to one cause of action. That's going to resolve the entire case for all of the heirs. And then all the heirs must look to the person who brought the lawsuit to either get involved in the lawsuit, join in the lawsuit, or must look to that person after the money's been collected to deal with it. There are so many hurdles. There are so many minefields in this area. Uh, please uh, visit with an experienced attorney. You can call us anytime, 303 303- 795-5900, that's 795-5900, or go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. It makes a difference if the child is killed. It makes a difference if the husband and wife in, are, are, was killed. It makes a difference if they're divorced. Uh, take a later in life example, All the, everybody's adult children in the 40s, and um, the father is, is elderly and dies. And now the children don't like each other, and they've gone all over the four corners of, the, of this country. They still have a right to the proceeds. <coughs> that can't change. And as Brad just said, you only get to bring one action. So the insurance company can't say, well, you're bringing this action, Miss uh, Child Number One. You're going to bring this action. So we're, as Brad's example, we're only, pay, we're only going to pay you one-fourth or one-quarter of the insurance policy. No. If it's the legitimate action brought by the legitimate person, they have to pay the whole e- event. And so... Um, when you prove the the damages, you prove the net non-economic losses that we've covered. You also prove the net pecuniary loss rule, and there's some there's some special situations and twists to the computing the pecuniary loss. You've got to re- reduce it to present value, um, and that can become quite complicated. 
Well, yeah, because once again, now we're talking pecuniary loss. And pecuniary loss is the amount that you would have received from the decedent had the decedent lived. Uh, One of the battles that and and things that might come to mind right away is the question of do you include tax considerations? Uh, Are we talking about the gross amount that a decedent would have made or are we talking about the net amount that that a decedent would have made? And our state has come out for various, I think, well-reasoned opinions and have stated that we're talking about the gross amount. You're not going to take taxes away from the amount that would have been made. So that's going to be, that's going to be included in the amount that that the heir would have received from the deceased. But there are other amounts that may be reduced from the net pecuniary amount or from the pecuniary losses that you show. You can't just simply walk in and say, the deceased would have made this amount of money, I get it all, because it would have all been paid to me. Right. First of all, that person doesn't own it all. If there are other heirs, as we've said time and time again, you have to prove liability. You have to prove causation. You have to prove the damages. Let's say we have a, a wage earner, a bread a breadwinner, uh, 31 years old, killed in a car crash. Life expectancy, you need to know. So let's say it's 35 more years. What would the earnings be over 35 years? There is no cap on the economic losses. There is a cap on the non-economic losses. I can't tell you how many times we see in the situation we get we get clients from other attor- uh, law firms and this this fundamental concept right there is not even understood so we resurrect it 303-795-5900 next up you're going to be fascinated if you're killed skiing or in an avalanche what's the rule what are the rules if you're killed under the healthcare availability act the medical malpractice statute what are the rules what are the rules and uh, if, you, if you're killed in a, in a car crash and it's killed by a drunk driver and the bar served the drunk driver too much alcohol, that's called a dram shop action. Can you do that? What do you recover if you can do that? Bell and Pollock, Champions of the People, will be right back. Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell and Pollock. We are injury attorneys and this is your legal minute. You're sitting on a stoplight and boom, you're hit from behind, you're rear-ended. The driver gets out and they say, I'm sorry. Gee, I'm sorry, I don't have any insurance. Or worse yet, they give you an insurance card and you call and it's expired. And there's no insurance, but you have lost wages, you have injuries, you have medical bills piling up. What are you going to do? What can you do? And I'll tell you what, we've preached many times, we've done many shows on what you can do before an accident happens. You can buy your own UM, UIM coverage with your own car insurance policy, the highest limits that you can afford. Because when you do this and the other driver has no insurance or not enough insurance, you're still protected. If you have any questions, call us. Bell and Pollock will help you. Get more information or help from Bell and Pollock at championsofthepeople.com. Mandy Connell here with the Legal Minute from my friends at Bell and Pollock. Listen for more great advice on the Bell and Pollock Injury Show Saturdays at 10 on KOA. Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell and Pollock. We are injury attorneys and this is your Legal Minute. You're in an accident. You get out to exchange information like you're supposed to do. The other driver says, you know, I don't even have a driver's license. I'm sorry. I don't even have any insurance. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? Is there anything that you can do? Yes. You can call Bell and Pollock at 303-795-5900. But know this right now. If a driver gets out and they do not have a driver's license, that does not mean automatically that it's an uninsured event. Insurance coverage could very well apply to pay your lost wages, to pay your medical bills, to pay you for your injuries. We can help you. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, Bell and Pollock, championsofthepeople.com. 
Give us a call. We'll help you. Get more information or help from Bell and Pollock at championsofthepeople.com. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back. The Bell and Pollock Legal Show, Champions of the People Injury Show. Gary Bell. Brad Pollock, our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We have offices in Denver, Greenwood Village, Steamboat Springs, and for over 30 years we've done cases, injury cases, and death cases, and workers' compensation cases all over the state of Colorado, all four corners. We've done them in Steamboat Springs. We've done them in Sterling, Colorado. We've done them down south in Pueblo on the western slope. You can call us for a free initial consultation, 303 795 5900 or go to our website championsofthepeople.com. We're going to start right now with these special circumstances. Somebody's in a bar, the bar overserves them, the the statute says they cannot serve alcohol to a person that's quote visibly intoxicated in quote they do. And 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 and, and Brad's an absolute master at these type, these type of cases, but we do them in our law firm. So you have a one-year statute of limitations against the bar, a two-year statute of limitations on wrongful wrongful death cases. That has to be kept in mind. But we told you earlier in the show there's a cap on non-economic damages, and there's no cap on economic losses once it fits into the right category. When you have a felonious killing, those are the legal words. Those are the, those are the key legal words. When you have a felonious killing, we're going to break it down, There are no caps anymore in the statute because it was a felonious killing. And so somebody's driving a car. How do you get a felonious killing by somebody being at fault and driving a car? Well, and and now you've got yourself a real, real, uh, I guess, mess is what I would call it to consider. Because now you're dealing with additional caps. Uh, First of all, you have to get into the category of felony. Uh, there's nothing in the wrongful death statute that indicates that you can get punitive damages against somebody for their wrongful acts. And if you're trying to find the money available, let's say the person who caused the crash only had $50,000 of coverage. Let's say that you have the 436 and non-economic. So now you're $386,000 short. And let's say you're also dealing with a half a million dollars in, in, uh, pecuniary losses, now you're $886,000 short. Uh, now you want to start trying to say who's going to be uh, who's going to be responsible for what's going on and who's going to be responsible to pay. Uh, and, and what you start doing with is you got to start asking is whether or not you have any type of um, fraud. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, fraud, not, not fraud. Whether you not a whether or not you have a felony that's going to allow you to be able to call it a felonious killings and therefore remove the cap of the recovery you want to get beyond the fi- the eight hundred eighty six thousand dollars that we're talking about. Right. You know the statute was amended to allow for punitive damages, but uh, when you have somebody, sir, let's take our example in a bar because it's a dram shop act. So the bar is responsible and liable uh, for for the wrongful death if they overserve the visibly intoxicated person. Period liable but the dram shop has its own cap so you need to know those those we're not going to cover those right now just know that you can bring an action against the bar just know that if you're hit by a drunk driver so how do you get to this felonious killing well you get to the statute on manslaughter right not murder one not murder two 
but manslaughter. And so manslaughter basically says uh, the statutory definitions if they're driving recklessly. And if they're driving drunk, they're driving recklessly. And there can be other examples of reckless driving. So if you can prove a felonious killing, then you can remove the caps from the statute, uh, make the recovery appropriately, and even against the bar, even against the drunk driver, and, and the bar overserve the person. Uh, it's very, very important these rules are applied and known and very short time limits. Sure. The rule you want to watch, though, is, is that when you're talking felonious killings, the felonious killing is probably going to bring with it the punitive damages, the right to recover from. But where we go back, we start saying in the felonious killing, the felonious killing opens up the category and the ability to go after damages that exceed the 436. It allows you to get more than 436 for your non-economic losses. And that is not normally available under a punitive claim when you start looking at the at the cap. But once you start looking at a punitive claim on the cap, then you're looking at the amount necessary to punish a person, not the amount necessary to compensate somebody for their for their losses they received as a result of their non-economic losses. So it, it, it's a very complicated structure that you've got. You're talking about the fact that the 436 at, stands as an absolute cap for what your losses were as a result of non-economics, as a result of losing the person being there with you for companionship, for love in the, in the, in the relationship you have. That can be expanded. That category of damages alone can be expanded under a felonious killing. That category does not get expanded under punitive damages. Under punitive damages, you start looking at getting money to punish the wrongdoer. And that money that you're getting under punitive damages to punish the wrongdoer cannot get mixed up with the additional amount that you're entitled to get under the cap of non-economic damages in the event there's been a felonious killing. So they are different categories that you have to consider, and you're not going to be able to mix them to, to try and get more as you go through the case. Right. So, so far, we've learned that we can, you'd have a case for wrongful death in Colorado by statute. It didn't exist before, but now it does. You can bring it. You can bring it for uh, non-economic losses, grief, suffering, anxiety, miss, love of your lost one. Uh, and that's usually capped. But if there's a felonious killing, then it, it, the cap is removed. And you can also request punitive damages. Now let's go back to our bar example. The bar overserved the drunk driver. The drunk driver crossed the center line, blew a .29. Everybody's responsible and liable because they overserved a drunk, a visibly intoxicated person. Now, what's fascinating in this area of the law is you said, well, you have to have a felonious killing. A felonious killing. Think about those words. Does one have to have a conviction? What if they go to court and plead uh, something else other than, uh, other than uh, manslaughter? It doesn't matter under the wrongful death statute. You do not have to have a criminal conviction to prosecute for a felonious killing to remove the cap. Right. And it's going to be questionable. There are certain circumstances. Most of the time, if they plead to a felony in the criminal side of the case, you're going to be able to use that plea. Or if they for sure go to trial and they're found beyond a reasonable doubt to be guilty of a felony in the death or killing of that person, you're allowed to use that. But if not, you still have the right to go in and prove that there was a felony committed and that you're entitled to, to the money under the felonious killing. Remember, the felonious killing itself doesn't give you more money. It simply removes or changes the cap 
on non-economics. The felonious killing also can be a good spot towards getting you punitive damages and being able to prove why you should get punitive damages. Two different categories uh, of losses. Why is that important? Well, that's very important when it starts coming to insurance. Because in the event the party is insured under the felonious killing, you may still be able to get the money under the insurance. But if it's a punitive damages claim, you can't get the money under under the insurance. So now your, your, your lawyer has to sit down and figure out in what category you're going to emphasize your losses and you're going to emphasize your desire to recover. You know, so far we've, we've talked about who gets the money, that you have to prove liability causation, the person bringing the lawsuit, who has the right to bring the lawsuit. This is all very complicated law, and we're breaking it down into simple components for you right now. You can call us anytime at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Or our website, championsofthepeople.com. You get a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan. So if you have an accident crossing the center line, And if it was reckless driving, let's go right to the manslaughter statute in Colorado. Because if you can prove manslaughter in the civil action, it doesn't matter if they plead to it in the criminal action. If you can prove manslaughter in the civil action, you can recover and you can remove the caps on the non-economic losses. That's very important. Manslaughter is defined by 18.3.104. A person commits the crime of manslaughter if such person recklessly causes the death of another person. There you go. Recklessly is the key word. So if you got attorneys that go after this aggressively and want to prove that it was a, it was a reckless to drive with a .29 blood alcohol level, it was reckless for the bar to serve this person, and, and we can prove it and tie it back into the bar. Reckless. Then the caps under the felonious killing part of the wrongful death statute go away. You've got to make sure, once again, this is the category you want to be putting it into. If if there's insurance, this is a category you most certainly would like to have it have it your your damages narrowed into. If there's insurance, however, if there's no insurance or limited insurance, you may want to have this put into a category that relates to some type of punitive damages, where there's there's limitations on how easy it is for the defendant to get rid of the judgment at a later time. You've got to take a look at where where your damages lie and who's responsible and under what theories are responsible. You also have to understand that you could be dealing with, with the Dram Shop Act case where you're getting money, but that money may be doing nothing more than contributing towards the cap, not giving you extra money on top of the cap. And that's, once again, something you've got to determine on how you're bringing your case and what, and what you're trying to accomplish. All of this has to be analyzed. All of this has to be considered. It would be part of your legal game plan, your strategy. If you come into Bell & Pollock, that's part of your strategy. We give you the legal game plan. Just get our book. It's free on our website, championsofthepeople.com. Wrongful death, takeaways today. Yes, you can bring an action. Yes, the, per- the spouse has the exclusive right in the first year. They don't own all the money. They have to distribute it to the heirs once they get the money. Yes, you can bring an action for felonious killing. Yes, you can sue bars under the Dram Shop Act. And that's a one-year statute of limitation. And a wrongful death is two-year statute of limitations. And a car crash is three-year statute of limitations. Things you and your attorney need to know and take into consideration. Bell and Pollock, go to our website, championsofthepeople.com, an information-loaded website. All of our podcasts are there. All of our books are there. All of the information is there. And all of our shows are there. 
Bell and Pollock, champions of the people. We'll see you next week.